0: I'm your host, Doc G. With me, as always, the one, the only, Dave Burles Berlin. Doc, I'm feeling
2: great on this Wednesday, man. I am ready for this show. Yes!
0: Mm. Yes, indeed. So I'm guessing the week has been good for you. Hmm. Dude,
2: that's the thing is you just, you know, I'm just smooth sailing until I get to, this is the pivotal moment of my week. And then it's like downhill this from makes here. Makes or breaks it. What
0: downhill as cruising into the weekend? Not downhill as your life is ending. Word. Uh,
3: right. Know, exactly. Ju- just you to know. make
0: the differentiation there for the uh, listener. Uh, Dave, I've had a pretty good week so far because I have done a little listening to some XM radio. Mm. You know, oh, you you baller, you you pay yeah, for that. Well, you know, just just ju- I want to look into see what channel is going to pick up the Doc G show and yeah! catapult us okay. into the limelight that the show obviously deserves. Oh, nope. you, you're so, doing a little recruiting, a reconnaissance little is what we call it in the sophisticated biz. War. Reconnaissance. Okay, that's what. No, we don't. Recon- I made that up. Recon- um, but do I'll you start ever li- using that every day now? Yeah, there you go. Do you ever listen to Sirius XM radio? Uh I mean my mom and dad have it. My mom nice.
2: stays on uh E Street Radio, Bruce Springsteen. Mm, and the then balls. my dad's is on like the uh, like the twenties, I guess, is the like the rock um channel. So Right, classic that, vinyl. Really. Yeah.
3: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, yeah, uh, well, so, you know, uh, it's good on the music channels, obviously, because they don't have commercials. It's fantastic, right? Uh, Right. But Mm -hmm. every now and then, I like to go over and see the sports channels and sometimes the news, Hmm. you know? and since since both since both are sophisticated exactly both of these channels link up with tv stations right so that's a it's a Mm -hmm. different story when it comes to commercials they actually have commercials and it seems like they don't put much thought into their commercials like they're really repetitive they just get like six different companies and they're like we're going to play these over and over and over and over and over again these are the only ones we're going to play right and mm-hmm. one of the commercials they play, like on all the stations, is for Bowling Branch sheets. Hmm. Bowling Branch shoes? Sheets. As in bed oh, sheets. sheets. Yes. Oh. Yes. As That's in bed sheets. Right. Right? And so- you, you don't even have like a visual of it. Well, first off, like in the commercial, they just brag for like 45 seconds about how awesome their sheets are. Yes! They're like, mm-hmm. our sheets only cost several hundred dollars, even though they're $1,000 sheets. And I'm like, what? What the crap is that? I mean, Dave, you know me. <laughs> I'm, I'm not oh. the first guy that's going to worry about money. Nope. But
2: I am right there with you.
0: I've got to be honest. I, I mean, there haven't been many sheets that I've came across that I've hated. First of all, nope. I mean, like you know, I mean, yeah, you get some scratchy sheets every now and then that you're like, what the f- is this? Mm-hmm. But besides that, mm-hmm. like for most part, sheets are sheets, man.
2: Right, they're pretty like basic. Like they get the job done. You're not, you know, spending an arm and leg on it. Like, and I- like, sure, sometimes you may be at a hotel and you're like wow, I can appreciate these sheets. Is it just because I'm at some exotic location? Yeah. Or is it because like these are really nice sheets? And you know, I kinda think it's the first
0: one, but. Exactly, exactly. And like, I mean, when I go to Target and get sheets, I think every time in my life that I've got sheets, it's been at Target. Yes! They're like $60, oh, yeah. or like $50, mm-hmm. like d- hundreds of dollars? It's ridiculous, then. Though, the weirdness of the commercial culminates with them at the end of the commercial saying, and three living presidents sleep on bowl and branch uh, sheets. Word. Oh. What? Is that, does that do anything for you? No. Oh. Which, which <laughs> first, first of all, I researched it. They need to update their ad because one of the presidents that slept on them was George W.H. Bush. And as we know, with all due respect, Uh. unless they lined his presidential casket with Bolin branch sheets, he's not sleeping on them anymore, which side note, I I
2: actually probably wouldn't be surprised if they did.
0: Well, it's it's, side note. If they did, I think they should advertise for that. That should be a commercial in itself. Like he loved them so much. They came with him to the afterlife. They're there. The other two are his son and Bill Clinton. So they're still sleeping on Bowling Branch sheets. But here's the more important thing. Why do I care that presidents have slept on these sheets? Hmm. Like, I get that they're really famous. It's like the elitism. But they're not sleep scientists. Nope. No one has ever ran a candidacy for president on being the best discerner of sleep quarters. (laughs) Like, you don't even know, Guys. I can tell sheets like nobody's business. You want me to pick out the softest cotton? Boom, I'm there. Oh, I gotta vote for him. Oh, that looks good, (laughs) that's nice. Like, I mean, that's like me saying, hey, you should buy this calculator. Kevin Durant uses it. Wait, does Kevin Durant, does he have a passion for math? No, no, he just just uses his calculator on occasion. (laughs) He likes it. To count up his averages. That's it, yeah, that's it, that's it. Here's a real interesting side note. And Dave, I do realize when I say here's a real interesting side note, half the listeners are like. It's not that interesting. <laughs> 20,
4: <laughs> half
0: the listeners are like, 20 bucks says he brings up some stupid history fact that we don't care about. So which true. is true. Congratulations, listeners. Here comes you just the made fact. A quarter. President Calvin Coolidge apparently slept 11 hours a night. Jeez. What? Oh, man. I wish. Eleven hours a night. No wonder the Great Depression came soon after his presidency. Jeez. He literally Uh, this this is written down in history books. He would literally wake up and joke with his staff. Oh, hey, is the country still here? (laughs) Just joking. (laughs) Like walk out. (laughs) Not sleep. It's ridiculous, man. Dave, are you ready to fire up this show that is not endorsed by three presidents? Nope. Yes, man, fire this shiz up. Woo! all three engines up and burning. Two, one, zero, and liftoff. Dave, we have a fantastic show. We have very, very special guest, David Hines, founding member of Still Pulse. (laughs) One of the best okay. and most storied reggae bands ever. That's right. Like, I mean, you know, there's Bob, which I'm going to talk to him about Bob, about Bob Marley, of course. Right. And and then there's like mm-hmm. still Pulse. That's it. Like that's the next one. Like maybe Hell Peter yeah. Tosh is somewhere around there too. But they're the first non-Jamaican band to win a Grammy. Yes! Right? Amazing. Wow. They won a Grammy for Reggae. That's impressive. Yeah. I'm very excited. We have music off their new album, Mass Manipulation. Can't wait. But first, we start where we start. Birthday suit. Oh. Yes,
2: sir.
4: Happy birthday, Mr. President.
0: <clears throat> now, this one is going to be the easiest for you. That's a fact. The next two, okay. they may be a little bit more difficult. Okay, uh, I'll take that Born June 19, 1978 In Wurzburg, Germany His mother was a professional basketball player And his dad Dirt Yeah! Nice!
5: Let's Dirt go. Nowinski
0: Get it! Yes! Man, now I'm gonna have to go through this Like you called it so quick again Okay, his dad Which by the way, weird Professional handball player. War. What? Oh,
2: that's impressive. What? Professional, Probably, professional handball. Probably rich <laughs> I don't.
0: I don't even know how much a professional <laughs> handball player makes. Nope. Anyways, our ch- child was very tall. He tried to play tennis when he was a birthday. Uh, when he was a child, uh, and everybody kept telling him he was too tall for tennis. They were like, "Hey, you're." freakishly tall. In fact, they called him the Freak, which he did not enjoy. So he went to basketball. At the age of 16... Been our the
2: German Freak.
0: Well, I mean, you know. Essentially out. what he turned into. At the age of 16, our birthday suit wearer player, uh, started the Germany second tier level team. So they got a tier system like the soccer teams in England. In 1998, our birthday suit wearer got to perform the Nike Hoops Heroes Tour. That same year, he was chosen to be in the Nike Hoops Summit. He was then drafted in the 1998 draft by the Milwaukee Bucks, but was almost immediately traded to the Mavericks in a multi-team deal. Yes! He went on to play 21 years with the Dallas Mavericks. He went on to be MVP, 14-time All-Star, uh, 12-time All-NBA, three-point shootout champion, part of the 50-40-90 club, and an NBA champion, Dirk Nowinski. <laughs> oh, yeah. Happy birthday Dirk. I love me some Dirk. You
2: know, and uh <laughs> like when he was in the like Mike movie and he's like, "Hey, can you sign this?" He's and just he's you like, know, yeah, who, can I make it out? Too? He's like, "Uh, Dirk." <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, for he's just he's mildly likable and not offensive. That's that's right. Dirk. He's just he's just there. He hangs out 21 years, man. Um Dave If I were to ask you, Mm -hmm. can you think of a name that incites visions of intelligence, congeniality, hilarity, and sheer sexual magnetism? What name comes to mind? Hmm.
2: Hmm.
0: You know, that's a pretty hard one. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What do you think? What do you think? Maybe maybe a uh, name from this show. Yeah, maybe like a... Maybe like a Millard?
4: Heyo! Yes!
0: Now we are moving on to our segment. Millard still exists! Yes! It's Mil- 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 Millard time! Dave, are you ready to meet this week's Dude, Millard? Who you? Yes, let me meet him. Who you got? <sighs> Millard S. Drexler! Yes! You know Millard oh, yeah. S. Drexler? Yes! Who doesn't? Well, first of all, Millard S. Drexler, he's a spry 74 years young. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I know what you're thinking, Dave. You're like, okay, we've had mm-hmm. actors, we've had doctors, we've had lawyers. You're going to have to do a lot to impress me with this Millard. Well, this you're Millard, right. Millard S. Drexler, is a former CEO of Gap and J. Crew. Worth an estimated hundred and fifty million dollars. Yeah. Holy crap. Yeah. There you go, Millard. That's right. Now we're now we're cooking with hot grease. Millard S. Drexler worth more than small countries. Yeah. That's how Millard effing p- p- parties. So obviously, <laughs> the listeners are like, yeah, yeah. I don't really care if he's rich. You know? Does he have substance? And that's good, listeners. I applaud you for your thoughtfulness. Well, Millard S. Drexler, he does have substance. He has substance in the name of the Peggy and Millard Drexler Foundation. Yeah! (laughs) The purpose is giving primarily for education Youth related causes, human services, and environmental preservation. Over $5 million donated so far. Sweet. That's right. Yeah. Damn. Mm-hmm. We can get behind that. That's Same. right. This Millard, not only is he spraying philanthropy all over New York, Dave. Wait, what? He's also doing something a little bit crazier than that. If you can get behind this. Are you ready for this? Are you ready to be Is he wowed? Traveling?
2: No. Let me wow, get, wow me. Wow. Get
0: ready. Get ready. Millard S. Drexler was in an episode of Breaking Bad. That's right. What? Yeah. Yeah. The 11th episode of season five, he makes a guest appearance. Uh, appearance as a car wash customer. Yes. Oh, man. Yeah, that, that's go right. go
2: back and watch it now.
0: That's right. Basically, what I'm saying, and what we're saying, if Millard S. Drexler didn't play this car wash customer, you would have never heard of Breaking Bad. Essentially, exactly. Millard S. Drexler made the show Breaking Bad. Yes!
2: Yes! Right, because no one heard about it until season six. I mean, come on.
0: Nope. Exactly, exactly. As soon as, I mean, go look at the data, folks. If you go to season uh, season five, episode 12... It instantly, dramatic spice. So true. All due to yes. Millard S. Drexler. All due. Exactly. Dave, what I'm trying to say is we all know you can't spell Millard S. Drexler without sex dream. As in, Millard S. Drexler is a gap-wearing sex dream. Look at his name. Mm. Yeah. Woo. <laughs> Woo. You know,
2: <sighs> I didn't think you'd be able to pull it off, but I mean. Not only did you get a guy worth 150 million, but he's also an actor, just like you know one yeah. of the other Millards. That's yeah. right. And he's you know the CEO of the company. I mean, I so. didn't even
0: I didn't even put it in there, but he also has his MBA, like our last Miller from last week. Yeah, oh. he has an MBA too. Look at this
2: guy. He's just
0: a combo of other great Millards. Yeah, yeah. He's basically Millards wrapped into a giant money ball of 150 million dollars. That's right. Gosh. Gosh, Dave, are you ready to ride this tide of feeling into some ripping of some headlines? Hmm.
2: Yes, sir, rip
0: it. Let's go. It's
1: now time for RIP from the Headlines. Woo,
0: Dave, there's a couple of things. There's a couple of things you don't want in your drinking water. You know? Flies. Mm -hmm. You don't want flies in yep. your drinking water. Nope. Uh, pubic right. hairs. You don't want those in there. Nope. Um, I'll go with that. Sure. Poison. That's a good one. So Poison. True. You don't want yep. that in there. Good um, one to not have. So this next story mainly involves the third one. Yeah. yeah. So last uh. summer in August, a lady was doing some scuba diving in Wallowa Lake in Oregon. Yeah. Okay. Wallowa Lake.
5: Yeah. This lake,
0: lake is the main source of drinking water for the area. Like the whole radius around the area, it's oh, the drinking water. So it's
2: water. like Sefer Hills, but for right. Oregon.
0: That's a fact. but in Oregon. Yeah. And so she's scuba diving in there, and she's all the way at the bottom of the lake. It's about 100 feet down there, 150 feet down, mm-hmm. right? And she comes yeah. across some metal 55-gallon drums. Hmm. You know, like the big, like, oil drums. She's like, that's weird. And she looks at the drums and notices that on the side of them they say 2,4-D and 2,4-5-T. Which, I don't know if you know what that is. It's better known as Agent Orange.
4: Say what?
0: agent orange the weed killer in vietnam that was made illegal in 1971 because it causes cancer and deformities that's a fact yes and she found giant barrels of this at the bottom of a lake that is used for drinking water so of course this lady was like wow this is bad and so she thought she had found what seemed to be 660 gallons because there were 12 of these 12 of these Mm -hmm. uh barrels so she immediately contacted the epa and the Mm -hmm. epa was like "Eh, we tested the water seems to be good
1: wait what
0: we'll let it sit there for a little bit we'll go inspect it in a little while and the EPA has let it sit there until now. Word. They just started doing something about these chemicals. And then, after these stories release, the EPA came out with a statement. That was like, hey, 55-gallon drums have been found at the bottom of the lake for years, a remnant of the days when empty drums were used extensively to float and anchor docks word it was common practice for people to fill drums with water rocks cement anchor the drums with uh, rope to floating docks mm-hmm. and, and i mean that's true epa i i don't i don't disagree with that but they have to realize it's a tad unsettling when they have a label that literally says poison so true <laughs> literally says yeah. poison that gives yeah. you cancer that's like inviting some friends over for lasagna and coming out to serve the lasagna in a Tupperware container that on the side says litter box used for cat. <laughs> and then one of your friends goes, "Um, hey, about your Tupperware that says litter box?" And you going, "Whoa! Whoa! Whoa! Lots of people use Tupperware to serve food." Word. Yeah, but yours says cat litter on the side. That's a <laughs> little weird. Right, come on, EPA, do better.
5: Yes!
0: Don't don't serve people in organ poison. It's not That's a good what thing. I'm saying, like, how hard is it to just take them out? Like, come on. You know. Anyways,
3: uh, Dave, this the is the right thing.
0: This is a pretty quick one. Uh, you've heard of the O.J. Simpson trial, correct? Hmm. I have. Yeah, seems like it's always still in the news, even though it was 25 years ago. Um, right. So Ron Goldman. He was one of the people uh, murdered uh, in the trial, mm-hmm. right, or that, that was, yep. uh, that was uh, the trial was based on. Uh, his dad, mm-hmm. Fred Goldman, he actually was on ABC recently, and he's still mm-hmm. out there very admirably looking for justice for his son. Still on the case. Hasn't given up. Wow. Pretty admirable. Um, but what he said actually got me. Um, so he said, quote, the defense team was a group of men whose single goal was to get their client off. Wait, what? Which, first of all, Fred, finish the finish the thought. Say, getting the client off the hook. It's just odd when you don't when you don't finish it. It's just they're just getting someone off. Yeah, I mean, just people go could
2: take that differently. Off the hook.
0: Second, <laughs> isn't that what they're supposed to do? Yes. I mean, they're literally, their name is literally the defense team. Like, I don't think a sports team has ever said, listen, guys, the best defense is obviously to let the offense score. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to go complete opposite today. War. We're not playing any defense. <laughs> I mean, that's what they're supposed to do. Like, what was he? He was surprised. He's like, oh, I thought this, thought this defense team, he was paying them millions of dollars to turn them in. Weird. Didn't do that. Really threw me for a curveball there. It's just strange. <laughs> I just read that article and was like, what? Why would you think that, Fred? Come on, Fred Goldman. I mean, I get it. It's your son. He's smarter than that. Come on. It's weird. Uh, Dave, here comes a headline straight from Florida. Quote, Okay. pet alligator helps Trapper's family reveal 10th baby gender reveal. Yeah. Oh, I saw that. Yeah, yeah. So Stacy and Chad are expecting their tenth baby. Jeez, ten. Oh, I didn't know it was ten.
2: Ten. Oh, I guess they ran. they I guess they ran out of ideas, Doc.
0: That's so many. Yes. That is so many. That's that's like when people ask you about your high school and they're like, "Was it small enough for you to know everybody in your class?" And you're like, "Yeah, I knew most of them. Like, I knew everybody's mm-hmm. face." That's how you would respond about your family. You'd be like, nah, Mm I know most of the siblings. uh, I recognize their face. They walk to the refrigerator every now and then. (laughs) Like you, who are you again? Somebody. So anyways, Chad, he works as a nuisance wildlife uh, trapper. And that's how he came to own an alligator as a pet. It's a rescue. Uh, Um, Okay. Yeah, and this alligator bit through a balloon that revealed pink powder to let the family yep. know they were having a girl. So
3: true. Yep.
0: Now, don't get me wrong, I'm glad this alligator is alive, and I'm glad that Chad took it on as a pet, but maybe, uh-huh. just on some level, the family with 10 kids, probably not the best place for a pet alligator. Hmm. Just...
2: I agree with that, man.
0: Just an idea. I mean, you got 10 kids, under the age of like 15, running around with like a 10 foot alligator hmm. doesn't. I got, I got a feeling I'm gonna get some bad news from Stacy and Chad's house, and I don't want bad news from Chase, uh, Stacy and Chad's house. I mean, yep.
2: just
3: saying,
0: just saying. Where plain fetch
2: goes wrong.
0: Maybe give it to your cousin, Chad. Maybe give your alligator to your cousin. I don't know. Uh, His cousin Dave, probably has 10 kids too. What? Maybe, or maybe he already has too many alligators. Maybe. I don't know. Ah, okay. Uh, Dave, do you remember going to any birthday parties when you were six?
2: Hmm. Yeah, man. They were all, like, superhero-themed, Power Ranger-themed, like, all the all the cool-themed parties, like, pool parties.
0: And they bowling. go all out. Like, everybody dresses yes. up. You got you got yes. paper plates that are all the same theme. You get to yeah, run around. Yeah, Yeah, mine, I'm older, so mm. mine was Ninja Turtles. Sweet. You know, Ninja okay. Turtle things. Yeah, yeah, yeah pretty awesome i usually like to be michael yeah. michelangelo you know because of course not only is he, he, the, he is, he, is oh. not only is he bad with the uh nunchucks but he's also a, mm-hmm. a, a party dude so you know yeah i mean best of both worlds plus he was all about the pizza that's a fact anyways as were, as were you yes i derail um they're pretty great times you know what can really bring down the mood of a birthday party when you're six? Hmm. Um, breaking your arm. So true. Yes. Or even worse, getting stabbed in the face. Wait, what? Yep, yeah. that'll do it. Yeah. I'm not I'm not even gonna try to sugarcoat it. That's just a downer. Yes! Dave. I don't mm. care what people say, I don't wanna be stabbed in the face at a birthday party. Especially a six year old birthday party. Oh, so no. A six-year-old went to a birthday party in California, uh, and -hmm. they went to the house where 35-year-old Crystal Parra lives. And uh, Mm -hmm. I don't know whose birthday it was, but it was somebody uh, related to Crystal Parra. And apparently, at some point in the party, Crystal got in an argument with this six-year-old girl. Word and then oh, geez. swiped at the girl's face oh, with a sharp object, possibly a razor blade, hmm. something that lacerated what? the girl's face. Um, after she cut the girl's face, the 35-year-old apparently fled the scene. Um, wow. There are many unknowns in this story, Dave. I'm so uh, confused. Apparently, most of the witnesses at this party aren't cooperating with officials hmm. they're refusing to cooperate which is so odd yes! so I've got I've got two statements that I'm gonna go out on a limb here and make Dave the first okay, one I'm listening if you stab a six-year-old in the face you're automatically wrong so true I'm gonna go ahead that's, yes. I'm making it I don't care what people say I'm making that statement that's that's what yeah. I, I know it's radical. Um, yeah, but two, I'm backing you up with that. If you're covering up for your friend who stabbed a six-year-old in the face, you're automatically wrong too. So I'm true. I'm gonna go ahead and say that too. And guilty. The, those yeah. are just two things I'm gonna say. I don't care what that six-year-old girl did. It doesn't deserve a stabbing in the face. Nope. Whatever. Yeah, she did. There's nothing or a whatever, six-year-old a face
2: razored off.
0: There's nothing a six-year-old could do. That's so crazy. And then the cops being like, hey, what happened here? And everybody's like, oh, I don't know. Who knows? Who knows? What is this, the mafia? What is going on in this? So weird. What happened to
2: putting kids in timeout? So we just weird. just escalating to stabbing them.
0: I, I vote for timeout, Dave. Um, Dave, we've talked a lot about online challenges on this show before. We mm. uh, oh, yeah. have the tie pod challenge we have the bird box challenge um mm-hmm. apparently i missed one a while back about a year Which ago was there was the fire challenge
1: wait what
0: did you hear about oh, the fire you, challenge where
2: you, where you jump over the um like the uh no pa- oh, the apparently
0: this is just where you light yourself on fire jeez that's oh, it i
2: missed that one too that's I the challenge
0: it you light yourself on fire with some kind of flammable liquid on you and like you know you oh. light yourself on fire and then as soon as you light yourself on fire you jump into uh you know extinguish yourself mm. um stupid yeah 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 so a uh, michigan teenager uh her friend actually tried the challenging uh challenge mm-hmm. and uh not mm-hmm. surprisingly it went poor it was uh mm-hmm. very uh poorly Go done. Figure. And actually, the uh, girl, the Michigan teenager, she wasn't trying the challenge, but her friend caught her on fire because she was beside her, right? Yeah. And uh, she couldn't get the fire out, and she barely ended up surviving. She was in a full body suit uh, for recovery with third degree burns all over her body for several months. And uh, now she's speaking out against challenges like this. And this is, this is where the story wrote me in. Because this is what she said. Uh, don't do it. That's what I'm here to say. Don't do it because it's not worth it. It's just not worth it. What? Wow. Deep. I, I know we're, we're, we're talking teenagers here. And believe me, I did dumb stuff when I was a teenager. So I true. I did dumb stuff when I was a 20-year-old. So true. I did true. dumb stuff last week. So true. Um, but... Who was ever under the impression that this was worth something? (laughs) Was there anybody out there that was like, I gotta do this fire challenge, because it's totally worth a lot to me. Like, it's- You can tell why this
2: one didn't take off.
0: It's literally not worth anything.
2: You don't no. get
0: anything out of this! You don't get a trophy, nope. you don't get a certificate, nope. you don't get money, nope. you don't get respect, nope. you get nothing! Yes! Like, what? Just burned. Who Who was getting ready to do it and then was like, oh my god, you're telling me this isn't worth anything? Well now I gotta rethink my inks here. Who's gonna do it, but, oh, apparently it's not worth anything. Weird. Like, come on, guys. Rule of thumb. Listeners out there, rule of thumb. If it's a challenge on the internet, not worth it. I can go ahead and tell you. That's a fact. Even my broccoli challenge, not worth it. I spent the money on broccoli. I got nothing. There you go. It's not worth it. My, my kid meal challenge was worth it. It was worth it? You got the respect yeah. you deserve to be a dominator of kids' meals? Mm. Nice.
2: I didn't get any respect. Everyone just crapped on me for eating it slow. Oh. I got I got no respect. Well, so there you go.
0: It wasn't <laughs> worth it. There you go um dave one quick story before we go uh the military was the focus of carbon emissions recently in a report it was found that the department of defense in the u.s government uh is the largest fossil fuel consumer that's a fact accounting for Uh 77 to 80 percent of the federal government's energy consumption since 2001 uh, the article goes on to talk about the B-2 stealth bomber. Do you know the B-2 stealth bomber?
2: Yeah, we've we've talked about it on the show before, right?
0: It's the one that looks like a giant triangle, you know? Yeah, and yeah, I, yeah. I, I had no idea. Do you know that triangle costs $737 million for one? Holy crap. For one. $737 billion. Dollars, That we is So many of them We have 21 right now in service 21 uh, wow. But more importantly to this story It's the gas mileage that got at My attention The gas mileage of a B2 Stealth bomber They get one fourth of a mile Per gallon Wait what? Oh, one-fourth yeah, of a mile per gallon. Its gas tank holds more than 25,600 gallons of jet fuel. Jeez. What? What? They've been making these things for 30 years, and they haven't been able to improve fuel economy over one-fourth of a mile per gallon? Really seems inefficient. Mm. I mean, I know this thing goes 620 miles per hour, but it really seems inefficient. So true. I mean, that's that's not good. That is not good. I mean, if I that was if that was my gas tank and I got that gas mileage, I literally could get like three miles and be like, I'm out.
2: That's
5: it. Yep. Uh, got re- to refuel. Again.
0: It's ridiculous. Anyways, Dave, we're going to take a break. We're going to hear from our guest, Steel Pulse. This is off their new album, Mass Manipulation. Thank the Rebels right here on the Doc Steelers G Show.
4: a brand new nation, yeah. a political transformation, now reconciliation. Ah. We've been under the a far too long.
0: And we are back here on the Doc G Show. Spinnaker Radio, WSKRLP 95.5 FM in Jacksonville, Florida. Dave. Mm.
2: Guys, go check out the website, www.thedocgshow.com or just docgshow.com if you're trying to be like, you know, cool and, you know, whatever. You don't have to put the the. Yeah. That's so like, you know whatever who wants to use articles um,
0: those are stupid
2: yeah exactly mm-hmm. you know go download this on um the That's podcast fact. at the apple store amen amen the soundcloud amen Amen. Um, all the other ones that doc g always talks about mm-hmm. and i always forget their names but tune in if you have a podcast radio, app, anything
0: you can look it up all
2: the yeah all the cool ones so you know do it do it follow
0: us on Instagram. All of those things. Thank you. Thank you, Dave. Uh, yep. Let's go on to shout-outs. Let's see who's listened to us. shout out. Um, Let's do it. First off, check in with our favorites from Africa. They're still listening. Mozambique. Yeah. Shout yes. Maputo. Give it up. All right. Maputo, your puto, our puto. Love it, man. I love those guys. They're still in it. They're still in it to win it. We thank you. Week after week. After week. I'm going to keep on announcing them until we get up to at least, I don't know, 20,000 Mozambique listeners. That's right. That's what I'm looking that's for. That's what I'm talking about. Uh, next, we're going to go up to Europe, Paris, France. Shout out to Paris. Yes. Oui, oui. yes. Uh, that's about the only thing that I can say in French. Paris in French. Paris. That's all I can say. That's pretty much it. That's all I got. It's and we... Really, leave. really bad at the... Uh, The pronunciation in French. So much better at Spanish. And I'm horrible at Spanish, so you can only imagine what French would be. Uh, Nonetheless, uh, Northridge, California. Shout out, Northridge. Shout out. All right, right, Cali. Let's go over to the East Coast now. Shout out, Baltimore, Maryland.
5: Shout out.
0: Oh, all right, Baltimore, Beemore. Going up, I don't know, the crab, the city of crabs. Going up north. Shout out, LaDuke, Canada. The Dukesters, they're you, back. I, yeah, I was about to say, we've had
5: LaDuke before.
0: Oh, right? yeah. The Dukesters. we all uh, know. Welcome back, peeps. We all know. Let's go South Florida. West Palm Beach, shout out. West Palm. Shout out. Yes. Yes. And now we're going to go Mid-Atlantic. Shout out. Richmond, Virginia, RVA. Yes. Shout
2: out. All right, Richmond. We see you, the Spiders.
0: Go down a little bit. Shout out Hopkins, South Carolina. Hopkins. Yes, indeed. Shout
2: okay. out. Okay, that sounds like a place I've never been to, and I probably drove past it
0: without even knowing. I think you have. I've definitely drove through Hopkins. Shout out Hopkins. Uh, Dave. Lastly, your salami friends. They're back. Genoa. Italy. Yeah. Shout no. out. Shout out. I
2: like Shout it. out to my favorite sliced deli
0: meat. You know, I like it. We got a couple of pockets that keep on listening. It makes me happy. The Dukesters, the Mozambiqueers, the uh, the Genoa Italy. They keep coming back and we thank you for it. Yeah. Thank you I for know. those listening. Like our little family. Yeah. It's, I do. I feel a little family oriented. Yeah. Yeah, I do. Uh, Dave, are you ready? Second birthday suit? Yes, sir. Okay, here we go. try. This one's going to be tough. I'm, I'm, ooh, ooh, I don't even know. Okay, here we go. Born June 19th. I don't even know. Born June 19th, 1962 in San Fernando, California. Our birthday suit wearer's father was born in Syrian Jewish community of Aleppo. Word. Yeah, yeah. Our birthday suit wearer loved dancing from a young age. She took ballet. She took jazz. She took tap. After high school, she attended California State University. Northridge. Shout out. Shout out. Um, Okay. Her freshman year, she was chosen to be part of the Laker Girls. Yeah. Freshman year of college. Big Mm -hmm. deal. Uh, And within a year, she became the head choreographer of the Laker Girls. At the start of her career, she did all uh, choreography. She did choreography for the Jacksons, Jackson 5. She did choreography Mm -hmm. for Janet Jackson. She even did choreography Mm -hmm. for Tom Hanks in the movie Big. Jeez. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. In 1987, she decided to give singing a chance, and she released Mm -hmm. her album Forever Your Girl. She had hmm. multiple hits on this album, but two of the biggest hits were Opposites Attract and Straight Up. Mm-hmm. Her, sev- uh, her next several albums were not okay. as successful as her first albums. However, in 2002, she started appearing on American Idol as a judge. Hmm. In 2011, she Oh. Who we got? Who we got? Uh, um, Paula Abdul. Boom! Yes! I, I knew it! I knew if I included yes. uh, American Idol, you'd get it. I knew it. Yeah, I, I'm cultured. I, oh. I, re- I remember, dude. I, <laughs> I remembered from the past, man. I remembered from the past when we talked about uh, who, who was it? Um, hmm. Uh, Commodores. Who are we talking about with the Commodores? Mm-hmm. Can't think of his name right now. Slipping my mind. Why is Lionel Richie There we go Jeez. Why?
2: Yeah Oh I got on I got on my tangent About me loving him On American Idol Yeah
0: exactly So I was yeah. like When it came to mm-hmm. Paul Abdul I was like It's not gonna help If I sing Straight Up Which Straight Up's a jam By the way yeah. Straight Up Now I'll tell me to We're gonna it. be you And me forever Oh 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 Word It's a jam is Oh it? really Yeah 80, oh, the, J- 80s jam J- A lot of people Actually think line. It's Janet Jackson When they hear it Not Janet Jackson Paul Abdul um, I think of J Cole. Oh yeah, that would make sense. The re yeah, I got it. I got it. Yeah, that's where it came from. Mm-hmm. Paul Abdul jam. Yeah, that's
2: a fact. Mm-hmm. good to know.
0: Yeah. Okay. Shout out there to Paul well, Abdul happy birthday. turning the big. Yeah. 5'7". Five, seven. Five, seven for Paul wow. Abdul. Looking fantastic Dang. for five seven. So true. <laughs> Looking fantastic. I bet. Uh, Dave. I um yes sir I ruffled some feathers last week that's right yeah as usual do you remember I, I pushed the envelope of what is acceptable radio I mean I can't believe we we escaped as unscathed as we did in what we all remember now as horse game so in true. 2019 I think mm-hmm. we remembered it I realized I've just got to own it Dave. I've just got to own it. Sometimes do I, it, I say things that are pretty outrageous. That's what I say. Um, that's right.
2: I'm not going to argue with you on that.
0: Now, in online media, you know what we consider this? Hmm. We we can Scandal. We consider it clickbait. That's a fact. You know, we consider oh. it clickbait. It's it's something that's. I'm all about the clickbait. You know, uh, they just can't help it people are on the internet they see it they're like oh my god what is this provocative maniac gonna say next i gotta click on it and see
5: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: well i i realized you know that this is going on um and i've got so many provocative things that i say i gotta make a new segment so i made a new segment strictly for the insane things that i say on this show and it's a segment oh wow i call master clickbaiter
1: yeah the most contentious, the most salacious, the most controversial, the most titillating. Get ready for the doctor to wow you in a segment called The Master Clickbaiter. Oh,
2: uh, yeah. yeah. I see what you did there. Yeah.
0: So, Dave, I've been trying to hold it in, but it keeps it keeps boiling up inside of me. And yeah, I know. Again, it's gonna it, just like Horsegate. It's gonna leave people talking. Word. People are gonna be like that guy, that Doc G. He should he should be in an insane asylum.
5: Hmm.
0: That he should he he's st- a master bait clicker. People, people, people need to tell their preachers to pray for this guy. I get it. Word. I know that's what they're gonna say. He's but got a
2: problem. But
0: you know, it's 2019, and I just got to get it off my chest. So, Dave, are you ready?
2: Dude, I want to hear what's on your chest, but I'm kind of afraid. Here goes. Here goes.
0: I, I don't really like fluorescent lights. Yeah, I said it. I said it. I don't Really? I don't really like them. They give em. you headaches? It's, it's, they, they're way too sterile. That's a fact. Way too sterile for okay. me. They're bright. I don't okay. like it. I mean, in this uh-huh. day and age of energy efficient LEDs, I don't want to spend my time mm-hmm. around fluorescent lights. Nope. I got no time for you. Okay. I can put I can put an LED light. I can change it to anything I want. I've got a setting on my LED lights of sunset. Jeez. Purple sunset if I want to put it on. This guy is bougie. Yeah. Your lights. They're just offensive, man. Fluorescent lights are offensive. They make pale people look even paler. So true. They highlight the veins of pale people through their skin to make them Go look all, all sickly. They make, skinny, they make skinny people look like they have abnormal, sunken-in, pruny faces. That's a fact. That may be reason all doctor's offices have fluorescent lights. They just want to make everyone look sick. I don't know, but I don't like them. Uh, on top of that, they flicker and buzz. They literally have a sound effect to make you feel alone and worthless. So true. It's horrible. Right, it's horrible. But a lamp? Are you kidding me? <laughs> the nice, soft, inviting yellow light of a lamp. Ooh, Sweet. that's nice. That's nice. Have you have you ever been walking by? That's real nice. Have you ever been walking by a house on a cold, windy night, and you look in the house and you see a, like a nice, big, soft, cushy chair beside a warm, inviting lamp?
5: Yes.
0: And you're like, oh, oh yeah. man, I would like to be in there. Oh, yeah. And you start you I know what you're talking about. You start you start having fantasies. You're like, "Oh my gosh, I'd be in that chair. Somebody'd be in the kitchen making cookies. Yes! Sweet sounds of mm-hmm. James Taylor yes! are hitting my ears as I'm oh, sitting in my yeah. in my chair. Oh, what a lamp fantasy." Sweet. But then the next house you go by, there's a sterile disgusting white light of a fluorescent light in there, and you're like, "Oh. Now. Mm-hmm. Oh, what's going on in that awesome. house?" What are they having, rectal surgery in there? Ew. No. There's no music in there. Just sad buzz of lights. And you're like, you know what? No. I'd rather be out here in cold, windy land than in there. No thank you. Yes! No thank you. And here's oh my God. here's one I bet you weren't ready for, Dave. Fluorescent lights, they're, they're problematic for people with autism, epilepsy, lupus, and Lyme disease, and vertigo. Do you know that? All those people have adverse re- uh, reactions to fluorescent lights. Wait. what? Yeah. Wow. Yeah.
2: That's crazy.
0: I'm going to go and make a stand. Any house that I live in, I'm not turning on fluorescent lights. There. I said it. I'm doing it. If they have fluorescent lights, I'm not turning them on. Yeah. Nope. Yeah. Nope.
2: You're just going to live in the dark.
0: All right, Dave. I spoke my piece. The show will now, 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 no doubt be flooded with complaints. Incendiary comments. So
2: many masturbate clicks.
0: Fluorescent light lovers will be all a buzz. Literally, yeah. You see what I did there? Yeah, there'll be a buzz. Oh. Yeah, yeah, but I don't care. I did it. And now it's time to move you on, did. Dave. It's time to hear some higher love by Steel Pulse. Sweet. That's right, off their new Ooh. album. And then we will I'm be ready for it. right back. With David Hines, lead singer of Steel Pulse, right here on the Doc G Show.
4: Special kind of love, got to find some love, watch the ride. Think about it, there must be higher love. Down in the hearts are hidden in the stars above. Right. And without right. it, life is just wasted time. Look inside your heart and i look inside mine.
0: Welcome back to the Doc G Show, everybody. Today we are joined by very, very special guest, Reggae Royalty, founding member of Steel Pulse, Mr. David Hines. David, how's it going?
1: How you doing, man?
0: I am doing fantastic. So I want to take the listeners back. Steel Pulse has been rocking since 1975, uh, almost, almost 45 years of music. That is amazing. Uh, you guys started in Handsworth, England. Uh, Could you tell the listeners how a bunch of guys from England got into reggae? Because I feel like some of the listeners may not know the connection.
1: Well, the explanation is quite straightforward. I mean, we are um, sons and daughters from the United Kingdom, um, from Jamaican immigrants Mm -hmm. that migrated to the United Kingdom um, after World War II. Too. And um, during that period of time, that transition, there was um, a strong influx of other Jamaicans coming in to, you know, be as a workforce. And during that period of time, they were also coming over with all the social issues that was happening on the island, mm-hmm. as well as uh, the latest music format. And um, it started off with Blue Beats, Ska, then it went into Rocksteady, then into Reggae. Mm-hmm. And um during that time, as the music was coming over, we were learning of the culture that was within the music, and also the the political um, situation that was happening on the island. Mm-hmm. And as you know, you know what sprung out of all of that was the Bob Marley and the Wailers' experience.
3: Yeah.
1: And um, us witnessing Bob Marley at the prime of his career, thought, you know, we could sort of relate to what he was doing from our perspective in the United Kingdom. So we formulated a band around the time Marley was at his heights in the United Kingdom. And um, from there, you know, everything that's blew blew up from that period of time. So 1975 is when we first got established and was during the time Marley had his first live album out and yeah. was, was the fourth to be reckoned with um, throughout Europe. So that's how reggae and Steel Pulse got introduced to um, to, to reggae coming from the United Kingdom.
0: You mentioned the the Bob Marley live album, and I've I've heard you speak uh, at length actually about Bob Marley before. Uh, what was was Catch a Fire uh, the seminal album for you, or was was it another album that really that you were like, man, this this is the message that we need to get behind? Hmm.
1: The Catch a Fire album, I, I would say, was the, the most. Yes, the most. Um, initiative, the most productive, the most influential album mm-hmm. for us. Mm-hmm. Uh, when we heard it, it was in 1972 the album was re- released and we at the time were about 15-16 years old yeah. um, between us. And when we heard that album, we just, it, it mesmerized us. I mean, the, the packaging of the album was something else. Mm-hmm. We never heard reggae delivered with that kind of caliber ever. Right. You know, the, the, album, the album sleeve it was something else. I, know, I don't know if you remember the album sleeve. It was like a cigarette lighter.
3: Yeah, yeah. And
1: that was not part of how reggae was packaged at that time. Right. And neither was the sound of the music. So when we heard it, it was an exception to the rule. Yeah. And we just said to ourselves, we need to emulate that particular style of music. Nice. And that's exactly what we did. So I'd say although Marley had a few albums before that one, I would say that was the one that was... Um, the, the one that was the most influential because of the packaging and because of the sound and the lyrical content that was um, coming back at us.
0: Nice, nice. Well, so uh, you guys actually got to tour with Bob Marley in 1978. <laughs> what? And, yeah. and I've, I've seen you uh, in interviews, too, before. Uh, you mentioned one thing uh, sort of initially difficult uh, at the start of your guys' career, was for for other artists, other reggae artists, especially from the islands, from Jamaica, to sort of, uh, you know, accept you guys as as true reggae. Um, and so as you guys, looking up to Bob Marley, uh, you know, so much at, at the beginning of the career, what was it like touring with Bob in 1978? And, and how did he accept you guys as the artist you are? Hmm.
1: Well, Ben, first of all, we were completely, like, all the wind was knocked out of us when we um, was told that we were going to be performing with Bob on, you know, some European dates. Because when he met us a year before and he heard the name, we were both at the same record label at the time. And it was during the time when we were actually recording our first album.
3: Yeah.
1: And he was introduced, he was introduced to us mm-hmm. by, you know, a local manager at the time. And um, he screwed his face up. Steel Pulse. What kind of name is that? What? <laughs> but he didn't. it didn't complete the sentence because you know the name was like a far removed name for a reggae band to be called at that time. Mm-hmm. And to know that we performed with him within, inside three years of us striking the first chord on stage, I, I look back on it and I still can't believe the whole thing happened and, and, and the way it sort of panned out the way it did. But touring with him was like, when I think about the milestones in my career
5: mm-hmm.
1: and the band's career, as far as lessons to be learned, that is, the, I'd say, would be in the first top five lessons if it comes to 10, 15 lessons of life. You know, uh, um, the touring with Bob Marley and the Wailers, uh, I, I think has been the most profound um, lesson that we've learned because we saw the master at his best, and how he dealt with conditions that were not conducive to what he would normally like to perform um, under at that time. So we knew what it was like to be at um, in in an area or in an arena where you were having problems, um, um, get, having the music coming back at you to perform at your best. And we saw this man put that 100%, 110% mm-hmm. each night. And we said to ourselves. You know, that's the way to go. And I honestly believe, I honestly believe that if we've never been exposed to that experience, I don't think Steel Pulse would have been um, the, the the force to be reckoned with as we are today. I think that created the longevity that we do have. Yeah. Um, you know, just witnessing that 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 particular experience with uh, that, such an icon.
3: Yeah, yeah.
0: Well, the the yeah. same the same year, 1978, you guys put out the the first uh, album uh the handsworth Rev- revolution uh which a group actually just recently uh made a giant mural of your first uh album artwork uh for the 40th anniversary
4: say what
0: how, how did you find out about that and what did, what did that mean to you when you saw that uh you know that giant mural uh in in the hometown?
1: Well, I was gobsmacked, <laughs> flabbergasted, and dumbstruck when I saw it. Um, <laughs> all three. Um, Jeez. It was sent to me via a WhatsApp message through a, a, a long-standing friend of mine who we grew up as um, as children from, you know, our childhood. And he sent it to me and says, guess what? This is what they've done to you in the, in the very part that I played when I was a kid. Yeah. You know, we kicked football there, hung out, ride bikes there, you know, had our fights. You, you name it, it was it was a stomping ground. And to know that we got recognized by our, our hometown, uh, I think it's been so fulfilling to to know that um, our very hometown recognized us for all those years of us putting out, yes! you know, uh, under the banner of, of from of people coming from Hansworth.
0: Yeah. So, uh, well, you know, speaking of that, I know at the at the start of the career, when you were mainly still, you know, not going abroad, staying in Europe, uh, the, there wasn't a lot of acceptance uh, in a lot of the clubs. A lot of the clubs around where you were trying to perform were racist. They were against your message. But the punk scene, the the, the punk music of that time. Accepted, you guys. So, like bands like Generation X and, and the Clash and the Stranglers, the Police. These guys welcomed you in, uh, and I think it's so funny because on the surface, you couldn't look any different as bands. You know, when you you, you look at Still Pulse and you look at the Stranglers, you're like, well, that's that's not the same. Did you guys, as a group, see that coming? Seeing sort of that acceptance of the punk scene and in, in the 70s that they would, you know, sort of say, yeah, you should, you guys should tour with us. Hmm.
1: We we never saw that coming for <laughs> all kinds of reasons. Um, number one, the, um, the, the the Caribbean West Indian community um, was very much distant from what was going on with the punk rock scene. Yeah, but the problem we had at the time is that the Caribbean community never totally embraced reggae that was coming from out of Britain. Yeah. So, so that was like a double whammy going on with us back then. Yeah. And to, to top it all, there was there was nightclubs that was um, ostracizing us because of the raci- racism aspect within the, it, within the city centers that governed, um, you know, um, a lot of the nightclubs. Yeah. And then there were those that were on the outskirts that had um, clubs that were in the black communities that also there was some ostracizing there happening also because of the... Fear of those who possibly smoke marijuana mm-hmm. um, attending the attending the concerts that we we would perform, and you know these nightclub owners were, were mindful and afraid that the kind of clientele that would be coming to the to the shows would be smoking and, and causing their close to be closed down, but closed down by police because of um, not having a license for you know such 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 thing. Yeah. So, so that where the coin got flipped and flipped in our favor is that the punk rockers now was all about anarchy yeah. anything that england supported they weren't supporting yeah. anything england didn't support they were supporting and one of the things that england wasn't supporting on a, on a great level was having um, black music especially reggae music yeah especially coming coming from out of england played on national radio so the punk rockers were saying you're not into reggae we're going to be into reggae. <laughs> and and that's exactly what they did. And they started to use this um, gimmick where they had um, reggae bands opening for them at you know high-profile venues in London. Yeah. And that's how we got on the platform. We Still, we weren't supporting that because, like I said, the black community was far removed from um, understanding what punk rock was about because we thought the whole thing was just um, not what we were about.
0: I, fe- I feel like somebody walking into one of those clubs... Yeah. Seeing you guys yeah. perform and looking out at the audience, going, "What did they come to the it, wrong venue?"
1: It, <laughs> <laughs> it, it, that's exactly. We thought we went. To, we we're at the wrong venue because we we're there performing, and these, you know, the people were spitting at us, throwing beer at us, <laughs> and all that kind of stuff. You know, you walk off the stage at these punk rock venues, and your you, your feet were glued to the carpet because of the <laughs> amount of beer that was spilled on these carpets and <laughs> and vomit that was happening because everybody was vomiting now and again. again yeah. and you know it took us to uh, you know and we, we were walking into vomit, beer, you know stuck on our, we, it, it was like that kind of thing at the, at the pub graph and we it took us a while to understand it was their culture and, and it was their way saying gosh we love you guys and this <laughs> is why we throw beer at you and it's why we're spitting at you mm. and it took us a while to adjust to that format <laughs> but you know it happened we got used to it after a while the stranglers helped us that a great deal you know um, yeah when they realized we weren't about it, that the Strangler used to make their announcement before we actually perform that like, hang on guys I know you spit at us but please don't spit at these guys because they're not about that <laughs> and, you know that, and the, the people conformed after a while you know just one of those things but that's how it was we were spat at and beer beer thrown at us and all that kind of thing and it was there we appreciating us. but like I says we're coming from a background that didn't understand that's the way it was when we were performing at punk rock venues.
0: Well, let's, let's be honest. Most people wouldn't understand being spit at <laughs> as, a, uh, as a good thing. Nope. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But, uh, speaking of other artists, I've, I've heard you say before, you know, uh, talk about you enjoying all types of music, not just reggae, but all, all, all types. Yeah. And I've heard in interviews you talk about most of the artists that you would want to actually collaborate with or work with. Uh, have already passed on, but you did mention. I saw in one interview you mentioning you'd like to work with uh, Lenny Kravitz. Mm. Um, what what about what about Lenny uh, makes you say that would be somebody good to to perform with?
1: First of all, what struck me was that we did a song called Taxi Driver mm-hmm. back in the early '90s, mm-hmm. not knowing that Lenny Kravitz wrote a song. Yeah, I mean the subject matter. Uh, had similarities but it was not quite as um, profound as the way we made our statement. Yeah. So that was the first thing that made me look in his direction but like I said when he initially wrote the song we had no idea that that song was written, we were just hearing our views and our perspective. Mm-hmm. But I sort of monitored Lenny over the years I sort of liked his image, mm-hmm. you know, he, he, he's, he's rock, he, he's got a certain vibe about him where, you know, he, you could see there's some self indulgence going on in this, how he performs and how he, how he, you know, and how he goes about his writing. and yes! uh, his, his vocals are not that complicated. There's no Luther van or Freddie Jackson as a singer. Yeah. But I could but but he has a particular energy about him, and I saw where our lyrics and our energies can combine to to, live, to deliver a particular song. Yes. And I just thought, you know, he seemed to strike me as a person that. Would delve into different genres of music. Oh yeah, to, to get ahead, you know, I, it didn't seem like it was a narrow-minded individual, on stage or off stage. And yeah. this is one of the reasons why I, uh, you know, thought about him along those lines.
0: Nice, nice. Well, uh, over the years, uh, y- you've seen a lot of of change, I would say, in the reggae scene. You know, since you've been performing. Uh, and now you have bands, uh, that you perform with probably regularly, like Slightly Stupid, uh, Common Kings, Tropidelic. Uh, these guys are, are bands that don't, you know, have Rastafari beliefs, uh, aren't really protesting in their, in their reggae music. It's, it's more what people call sort of, uh, sunshine reggae, uh, how, how do you feel about that movement? I mean, it's it's obviously popular, but it, it's not what you guys started with.
1: We know that with time for the music to remain established, that the banner and the mantle had to be carried in different walks of life, mm-hmm. different interpretations of it, and um, different personas
5: mm-hmm.
1: are going to have to be interpreting in music, just like the way we interpreted it um, back in the 70s, coming from an English standpoint, we knew it was only going to be a matter of time before other nations and other um, genres of music would be interpreted it in their own kind of way. Yeah, so true. So now we're 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 um, up with bands like Slightly Stupid Revolution, mm. um, Common Kings, mm-hmm. and you know the, the the good thing about it that <clears throat> you know they've sort of extended the music somewhat where we've recognised. That there's a different way to be performing the music as the way mm-hmm. as opposed to the way that Jamaica has been performing the music over the years. Mm-hmm. Yes! it made perfect sense to me. Yeah, that if you start knocking the music, how else it's going to grow? If other people are trying to interpret it, and not only that, bands like Slightly Stupid and Common Kings have been embracing steel pulse and and, and always um, acknowledge the fact that the, the music has been you know of steel pulse and other reggae bands. Have been their major
0: influences yeah. and have taken it on board. Nice. Now, well, so let's talk about the the newest edition, uh, the new album, "Mass Manipulation." Uh, incredible album. That's right. Uh, it came out May seventeenth. Uh, you guys, you wrote you wrote a lot about the issues of today: police brutality, environmental issues, human trafficking. And you know, I look at this new album. And it, it is it's a, a great message, it's a powerful message. Yes! And then I go back and I look at your very first single, mm. Ku Klux Klan, and it and it's essentially the same message. And it's it's not that you're repeating it, it's that you have to repeat it. Does does it make you sad that you're still fighting the same fight with the message of the music that you were fighting over forty years ago?
5: Mm.
1: There, that aspect that's a sad part. Um the, 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 the bonus part is that, you know, over the years, the re- the, the reggae music coming from our neck of woods mm-hmm. have faded because the subject matters and in the industry um, took on a different um, strain yeah. as far as how it interpreted the music and who they allowed to still remain within the industry, um, making an impression. Yeah. So um, we've had another lease of life because, um, as you can see... The political climate um, is still pretty much the same. Yeah. Um, Like, you know, for the mere fact that you mentioned um, Ku Klux Klan, I mean, we've got songs like Don't Shoot on the album. Mm -hmm. Justice in Gina, that's on the album. Rise, that's on the album. You know, songs like that that show um, Black and White Oppressors. So many songs that are showing um, some kind of social injustice going on. Yeah. And, you know, It's us now to bring on board or reconnect with the fan base that we had that jumped on our bandwagon 40 years ago, whose children, whose offspring, uh, uh, who are now attending the concerts and remembering what they used to listen to um, during their childhood. Because of the the parents that um, adapted to our music 40 years ago, now they're the new generation and they've bought their generation of, of, of children forward. So there's two generations. That's right. And if I include the generation that was introduced to us in, in the first place, there's three generations that we're now attracting um, with our music. Yeah. So it, it's good that we've um, had a sense to hold on to the generation that we had in the beginning and to know that two generations since then, we're still um, bringing them on board with, with the subject matters that they're still holding in very high regard.
3: Yeah, yeah, definitely
0: Yeah, Yeah, well uh, So another one of the songs On the uh, new album Cry Cry Blood uh, You made the video for that uh, Song at Pinnacle In Jamaica uh, Which is a fantastic video And I'm going to go out on a limb And guess that wasn't your first time being there Uh, What What made you decide on doing the video There
1: Well, actually Ben. Pinnacle is actually our very first time was. being there. Oh, it wow. was. Wait, what? You what? know, and I'll I'll tell you something. There's a lot of Jamaicans that are in Jamaica. Yeah. You know, two point seven million population. Yeah. And a lot of them probably ne- never heard of Pinnacle, and yeah. who did have probably never been there. Mm-hmm. And um, it's based on just like how the video um, explains the story. That the very first recognized Rastafarian was a guy called Leonard Howell. Yeah. Who who established a commune where that the, the people that inhabited that place back in the 1940s were self-sufficient. Yeah. Um, Jamaica at that time was on, on the colonial rule still owned by Britain. Yeah. So there was a group of people that were trying to be independent of the colonialism that was happening in the United from the United Kingdom at that time., yeah. and it was a rust-of-brown community that they had bakeries, they had all kinds of things um, gro- um, growing crops, all kinds of things. And they became a self-sufficient com- commune yeah. within Jamaica itself. And the powers that, that be at the time were, were accepting that. And over the the, 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 the next few decades, there was a continual raid and that commune until it was completely obliterated. Yeah. So we decided to to honor the efforts of the first Rastafarian community that got established in Jamaica by hosting the video there, Nice, if you see what I'm saying. Yeah, And um, that's exactly what we did because they want to let it become a, a landmark in Jamaica's history where it becomes a tourist attraction and a, and a heritage base for... Um, Jamaica itself Yeah, I mean it's in the early years but that's the reason why we host it it's almost like we were honoring recognizing the efforts of the very first Rastafarian community you know that the world has ever um, the world has ever um, known
0: yeah yeah definitely well one last thing I wanted to ask you about the album uh, that I absolutely loved was you took one of my favorite uh, 80s jams uh, Steve Winwood's Higher Love and you you regate (laughs) it You into Rasta love, uh, which is awesome. What uh what what made you want to do that song?
1: Well, Mister Gordon, that's a very good question because <laughs> it, it it was it was something that was put to me by a close friend of mine from out of San Diego who said, "Guess what? I could see you um doing a higher love," and I, I just remember the, um, the 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 chorus of that song, and I I just knew was written some time ago, so I. I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I revisited the song, you know, on the internet hmm. and it, it it didn't grab me initially because one of the things I didn't like about songs in the 80s was that, that that high, that reverb that it had. It had a special, all these songs that were written back in the 80s had this extra amount of reverb. Yeah. You know, you listen to a lot of George Michael songs from Wham and ABC and all those bands and... That Steve Winwood song was no exception to the rule that was going on. Yeah. It was a song that was just tons of reverb that was on it. Yeah. And I, so I was immediately put off it. And, I, and you know, then he had this high pitched sound to it going on, and I, I didn't hear anything that, that, that I could learn from with, with the song. So initially, it didn't really grab me. Yeah. Uh, you know, apart from the punchline. And after some listening to it, listening to it, listening to it. I say, yeah, I, I could see us doing something with this song. Yes! And then the, the, the second issue was that, you know, Steve Winwood is a homeboy.
0: Yeah, that's
3: right. He
1: was he, he he came from Hansworth, the same backyard that we came from. Yeah. Grew up on the same streets we walked on, went to the same schools we went to. And I says, why not? Yes! Yeah. And, you know, uh, I always, it was the last song we actually picked up on. Um, when it came to packaging the album, I thought rounding off the song with, with a message of hope, instead of writing one myself, there was a, a song that was relaying a message of higher love, yeah. and Rasta being a higher meditation type of song, yeah. um, kind of a um, entity. I thought it would go part and parcel with a message that Steve Winwood um, had as as a chorus line, and this is why we adapted to it, and says, um Rasta love, higher love, mm. you know, why not? And we wrote songs, and sort of formulated the lyrics around um, the initial song idea that Winwood had and um, came with that kind of groove and there you go, higher love. I mean, yeah. we wanted Winwood on it and um, at the last minute it was too close of a call for him to have a totally uh, participation in it at the yeah. time. And, you know, who knows, you know, the, the, the plan might be to have Steve, you know, upon releasing the song as a single, have him actually they were part of the song, if you see yeah. what I'm saying. Yeah. But, you know, that, that's, yeah, you know, But that's that—that's what it initially came from an idea. A friend says, David, I could hear you singing this kind of song, you know. And yeah. I didn't hear it at first. So I didn't hear it at first. And after a while, I sort of adapted. But that goes with me for, a, for quite a few songs. I mean, I did it Bob Dylan's song, George Jackson. And um, you can't get all what you want from uh, Can't Get You Want with Mick Jagger. Yeah. I, I also felt the same with Franklin's Tower with... um. With the Grateful Dead, yeah, and, uh, Sting song. I said I felt the same thing, you know. Um, you know, um, song I did with Sting. Um, can't stand it. I can't stand losing you. All these songs I'm listening to, and I just couldn't relate to them at first. It takes, and then I started to. Yeah, it takes me a while to 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 adapt to the song yeah. I mean, Franklin's Tower. Franklin's Tower made no sense to me when I first heard it. You know, still doesn't, as a matter of fact. But after <laughs> a while. <laughs> You know, I sort of got used to it. Yeah. And, you know, what well, I mean, become part of our repertoire now. Yeah. When when we do it. God, yeah. That's what I'm saying. Well, <laughs> well it,
0: it turned it it turned out fantastic. Uh I <laughs> I, love, I love I love both versions and I mean, you know, Steve uh Steve Winwood he's he's got so many good jams throughout the throughout the decades. Yeah. And that's that's a. I mean it it's it's like you said, it's it's stereotypically 80s, but it's it's still it's still an awesome song, and you guys uh, took it and made it your own, uh, which so, was which was fantastic.
1: Well, what's even more fantastic because reggae music has a habit of copying other genres of music.
3: Yeah, so true. And we
1: googled and googled and checked and checked to see if there was any other reggae band that covered it maybe 20 years ago when it came out. Yeah. Because that usually, what happens to reggae music, they come with a, a reggae version of it within three months or within yeah. two, two months of the song going out there. Yeah. And we looked and we got lucky. There was nobody out there mm. of any caliber that um, did a reggae version of that song. I said, you know what? This is our song. And we did took it and ran with it.
0: Nice. Nice. So you guys yeah. you guys just started uh, the sort of summer leg Uh, North American tour right now you're in Florida Uh, you got several big shows coming up in Florida that we uh, mentioned earlier on the show Uh, the tour goes until the end of September Uh, you guys were actually just out at uh, Cali roots huge uh, huge festival there Uh, how how was how's the reception been so far to the new album on tour
3: Hmm.
1: so far We've been doing about two songs Mm -hmm. um, up until now. Yeah. um, Off the new album. Yeah. And the reception has been terrific.
3: Yeah, sweet. Very nice.
1: It's it's nice to know because, you know, it's changing repertoire up a bit can become a bit problematic sometimes. Because one minute we're in the United States. Where you know it's the most, it's a country that's on the top of the list when it comes to the most up-to-date format that Steel Pulse has. Yeah. And the next minute we're in the Caribbean where they're they're they far behind as far as what we do as songs, and they still want to hear the old songs <laughs> like Bodyguard and yeah. Stepping Out and all that kind of stuff. And when we're in the United States, we can afford to not do Bodyguard and all these songs yeah. because we've been hearing this. So um, to know that the audience have you know have sort of embraced the new songs. And um, we've been hearing a lot of great reviews from the new album. yeah you know, it's, le- it's left us confident in going out and performing a few more of the newer songs.
3: Yeah,
0: well it's fantastic and if the listeners are out there uh, in Florida, they should definitely come out and see you guys. Uh, David, I want to thank you for coming on the show. Uh, congratulations on the new album and uh, good luck on the uh, on the tour this summer.
1: Okay, Commissioner Gordon.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you can get all the Still Pulse information you need at stillpulse.com or follow them on Twitter at Still Pulse or on Instagram at StillpulseOfficial. Right now, let's take a listen to Cry Cry Blood off mass manipulation by Still Pulse right here the on the Doc G Show.
4: Gimme food from the pot. Give me scrap from them. Tables. Desperate or disabled In this island we live with doggy dog I said the whole of them are gone like hog The simple thing we make we jump back, back I grab a leash just like a harbor shark. The same shit, me happy run out. Right I call it self-inflicted genocide. We step aside and up and weep and moan. The pressure building up inside my bones.
0: Here on the Doc G Show, you just heard Steel Pulse. Yes! There's a little Steel Pulse for you right there. Cry, cry, blood. And before that, that's right. You heard me talking with David Hines, lead singer of Steel Pulse. Man, uh, I still can't believe it, Dave. That's what I'm talking about. I, st- I still can't believe I talked to a dude that won a Grammy. Like I mean, I know Common Kings yeah, won a Grammy I'm too. Jealous of you. It's it's pretty it's pretty wild to set the... and a, it's a different
2: like historical gra- You know what I mean? Like a guy that toured not to say with like Bob their Marley. Grammy, you know? Like
0: what? You toured with yeah. Bob Marley? Like every it took the
2: time to talk to little old you. Like
0: every person that I knew in college had a Bob Marley poster, and this dude toured with him. Nuts. So true. Nuts, man. So cool. The album is awesome. Very good album. If you get a chance, you need to check out their shows. They got shows uh, coming up this weekend in uh, in Florida. So if you get a chance and you're down in the uh, South Florida area, you need to go check out uh their shows for sure you won't be disappointed he still rocks out and you'll be very impressed by his dreads i mean they are impressive that's right uh just so you know the 20th they're at uh so tomorrow night they're at Banshell park in miami beach and then the 21st they're at uh the uh abacoa theater in jupiter florida uh, and for Dope. for any Puerto Ricans out there, they're at Vivo Beach Club on Saturday in Puerto Rico. So check them out. Oh wow! Yeah. Oh, dang! Check them out if you get a chance.
5: They are it,
2: awesome,
0: fantastic. Dave, are you ready? third
2: birthday, Sue. Hmm. Yeah, man. I've been jamming a little bit, but I'm ready, I guess. Let's do it. I
0: mean, you got it. You got it. The last one, I was impressed. I should have known with the uh, with the American Idol, you'd pull it out. I should have had faith. Yep. Um, yep, yep. This one, I think you've got two. I think, yeah. Okay, here we go. Uh, okay. Our birthday, Sue Aware, was born on June 19th, 1983 in Seattle, Washington with the name Benjamin Hammond Haggerty. Hmm. That was his actual full real name. Our birthday suit wearer was introduced to hip-hop when he was six by Digital Underground and the Humpty Dance. You ever heard the Humpty Dance, Dave? Mm Mm-hmm. Alright, stop what you're doing Cause I'm about to ruin the image and the style that you used to War? I look funny Yo, 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 I'm making money, see So yo, world, hope you're ready for me Now gather round I'm the new fool in town And my sound's laid down by the underground What? That's the Humpty Dance Oh,
5: yeah, mm-hmm. okay, yep, yep, mm-hmm.
0: yep The Humpty Dance Here's I, your I chance to do the hump Fun fact, Tupac was a backup dancer for them Anyways, that's not the point No, shit. Yeah? Our birthday suit wearer was 15 when he started writing his own lyrics. In 2000, our birthday suit wearer released his first mixtape titled... Open your eyes. In 2006, our birthday Mm. suit wearer met longtime musical collaborator named Ryan Lewis. In 2012, our birthday suit wearer and Ryan Lewis released an album titled The Heist Mm. with big hits titled Wings, Can't Hold Us, Same Love, White Walls, 10,000 Hours, and Thrift Shop. Name that birthday suit wearer. Oh, um... Uh Macklemore. Boom. Macklemore is correct. Yes. The oh, M- yeah. Mac attack. Yes. Turning the big three six.
3: Yeah.
2: Oh okay, I, getting up there a little bit, Macklemore.
0: I wanna hope. He's he's got some great jams. He's he's waiting to release, man. I, I, <laughs> could, I could get down to some Macklemore, so well I mean keep the coming, heist buddy. blew me away. I gotta be honest. The heist had so many jams. Right. Like I mean because right. like I had I had heard nothing of Macklemore before the heist, right? And maybe it was because I sure. was reaching a critically old age and I just didn't hear about new yeah. music, you know. <laughs> but like mm-hmm. all of a sudden i'm hearing these songs wings and can't hold us and same love white walls 10,000 hours i'm like oh my god these are mm-hmm. all jams yes! and they all they 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 all were jams and then after that for hey, sure to be honest it really hurt too much Nope.
2: Mm. Nah. Maybe. Maybe he's, he's got some stuff in the safe. Well, I know
0: out. like he went away from collaborating with Ryan Lewis for a while, and that was like the magic of the heist was him and Ryan Lewis. So I don't know. It's so but true. Then he went back. Like so, I. I just. Yeah. Anyways, nonetheless, he's 36. Partied up, Mclemore. It's your birthday.
2: Yeah. Happy birthday, Mac.
0: Uh, Dave, this is the part of the show where I let you know about the awesome shows coming up, and we've got two awesome yes, ones right down the pipe. We've got Hyre, Okay. Yes! Hi-Re, Trish Jetton. She's coming on the show. Yes! Um, very Hell excited yeah. about this. Uh, Ree, fantastic group. Uh, really, I guess you say out of California. I think, uh, Trish, mm-hmm. she considers her home Hawaii. Um... But uh, really, okay. she, she represents the island. She's got an awesome vibe mix of pop and reggae. She's got some fantastic songs. She's coming out with a new album. She's going to be on the show. We're going to talk about it. I'm going to ask her if it, it's... This is really this is really getting to me. I'm going to ask her about this. Hmm. Everybody calls her Hyree. But it seems like mm-hmm. when the band first came out... Like, that was the, the band, band was high ree and she was Trish, mm-hmm. the lead singer of High ree mm. And now people are just mm-hmm. like, Hi ree And I'm like, and she goes along with it. Like, I've never seen her correct somebody, but I'm like, is that correct? Is that like if I went up to you Mick got, Jagger and I was like, hey, Rolling Stone, what's up? And he's like, what? I'm Mick, you turd. Call me Mick. Like, I just, I, you know, I don't know. I want to ask. Anyways, she's going to be on the show. Have to. My Hero Zero is going to be on the show. Jason O, their lead singer, can't wait. Yes! He's got a lot of things cooking. He's got a solo album coming out. They've got a new album, My Hero Zero, coming out. They've got so much in the pipeline. Very excited to talk to him as well. Can't wait. Those are two fantastic shows to round out the uh, June calendar. Very excited. Very excited. Um, but until next week. Finishing the month strong. We got to go ahead and wrap it up. So I have been your host, Doc G. With me, as always, Dave Burles, Berlin.
2: All right, guys. I guess it's until next time. Hate to do it, but time to go.
0: Got to wrap it up. Got to wrap it up. And until next time, zip it up and zip it out. A zippity doo doo.